It's the 15th of March, 2019, and this is the Room Now podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Jack Cush, executive editor of RoomNow.com. And this week in the news, a change in blockbuster drug sales, higher dropout rates on TNF inhibitors. Is that possible? And in what disease? And where's that DEXA you owe me? Let's start with that report. Almost 3,000 patients in a single center who were older, um, over the age of 50, went to the ER and were diagnosed with a vertebral fracture. Um, and these were new vertebral fractures. And again, this is a study that was done between 2009, 2014. Uh, and the shocking thing is for this large number of people who went to the ER, found to have a vertebral fracture, how they were treated subsequently is sort of shocking. Actually, the data is like 98% of people did not have a DEXA in the two years prior. So they, they, maybe they missed it. Maybe they weren't watching for it. Again, they're over the age of 50. I think the mean age was over 60. Uh, and also in the year after the index vertebral fracture, they did not have a DEXA scan ordered. More importantly, only 7% actually went on to receive anti-resorptive therapy 5% in the first year, 2% in the second year. And in the next two years, almost 40% of these people went on to have another fracture. This should be a knee-jerk reaction. I just saw a patient with this the other day. In this case, it was a, a metatarsal fracture in someone who's a postmenopausal woman. Happened six months ago. No uh, bone density, no osteoporosis assessment, no treatment um, for osteoporosis. So this is a large deficit. I don't know why this happens. We as rheumatologists need to spread the word. Uh, a list came out this week of the top selling, <clears throat> selling drugs of 2018 worldwide. At the top of the list is AbbVie's Humira with $19.9 billion in worldwide sales. There are other um, drugs that we use in our specialty. Uh, number six on the list was rituximab or rituxan at 6.9 billion. And number 10 on the list was Stellara or Ustekinumab at 5.2 billion. Noticeably absent are the other two TNF inhibitors. Embrel and Remicade have fallen off the list. The times, they are changing. Um, there's more, and I think that most of those, those changes and those drugs falling off the list have to do with uh, worldwide use of biosimilars. Not necessarily happening here in the United States. If we looked at top 10 selling drugs in the United States, I'm sure those would still be on the list. At least Enbrel would. But times they are changing. Partly biosimilar, partly the use of these drugs is being challenged in other disciplines, especially psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis by other agents. Uh, IL-1223 inhibitors, IL-17 inhibitors. Again, times they are changing. An interesting study uh, looked at um, the association of progressive skin fibrosis in scleroderma patients and what happens to lung function. This is almost over a thousand patients in the U-Star cohort and they define progression of their uh, skin disease as greater than five modified Rodman skin units, a change in one year. So they call that a rapid progression benchmark. And they looked at those people and those people were more likely to have significant decline in lung function and all-cause mortality in that follow-up period. That's, uh, and we've already known that, you know, patients who you worry about are those who have rapidly changing skin. That's always been taught. Here's another measure of that that says the same thing. Um, they didn't say, uh, give you other measures that would also have been correlated with uh, rapidly declining lung function and or all-cause mortality. Uh, an interesting study comes from the Osteoarthritis Initiative that shows that if you can lose weight, 
uh, and they defined it as greater than 5% of your baseline BMI in obese or overweight patients. They looked at them over an eight-year period, and they found that the patients who lost weight by diet or diet and exercise had a significant decline in knee cartilage loss over this eight-year period. This wasn't seen in the individuals who lost weight by exercise alone. Kind of interesting there. Um, maybe it has to do with muscle mass in those people. I'm not really clearly sure. But this is sort of encouraging data for you who are advising your patients. You know, weight loss is the way to treat osteoarthritis. That may be the most chondroprotective disease-modifying measure one can employ in someone with osteoarthritis of the knee. The COBRA data, as you remember, is a study back from, gosh, I think it was the uh, uh, late, uh, early 90s, um, which looked at early RA patients who were treated either with sulfazalazine or the combination of sulfazalazine and high-dose uh, prednisolone weaned down over a six-month six period. What they showed in that 23-year uh, follow-up of those patients was they had a, a basically a long-term survival um, to that of the general population, suggesting that early aggressive therapy has a survival benefit in patients with rheumatoid arthritis. More interesting data comes from the Corona Registry, where they looked at chronic opioid use in um, in, in their uh, RA cohort. They showed that it doubled between the years of 2002 to 2015 from 7.4 to almost 17%. The biggest predictors of chronic use of opioids was severe pain, not surprisingly, uh, also antidepressant use, high disease activity, and high disability. It's the antidepressant use and the high disability that worries me. Um, maybe that's where some of the inappropriate use of uh, opioids uh, might be um, uh, happening these days. It's something we need to worry about. We certainly know patients with depression, uh, fibromyalgia, and whatnot, uh, use of opioids in that population is not wise. So there's an interesting study that came out this week also from um, uh, Atul Diodar and his colleagues um, looking at persistence on TNF inhibitors in patients with ankylosing spondylitis. So they took a, um, a claims database cohort. They identified uh, over 1,000 patients, 1,372 ankylosing spondylitis patients between 2009 and 2013, and looked at a two-year window from the time they started on their TNF inhibitor um, to the time that they stopped or whether they continued. The sad and bad news in the study is that two years, only one-third of patients were still taking the TNF inhibitor that they started with. 26% switched to another TNF inhibitor. That seems reasonable. So that means that two years, 50% are on a TNF inhibitor. However, 41% stopped the TNF inhibitor and did not restart it. That's problematic. Um, you know, the idea here, of course, with aggressive therapy in this cohort would be not only to improve signs and symptoms and function uh, and pain, but also to improve long-term outcomes, including radiographic outcomes, damage, fusion, etc not going to be a change if they're not on persistent therapy. So uh, is this because of the nature of ankylosing spondylitis patients being mostly male, maybe more non-compliant? Again, they didn't look at it because it's claims data that they looked at, but I think it's a worrisome data. Again, the dropout rate on TNF inhibitors in rheumatoid arthritis tends to be about 10% a year or 50 at five years. This is at two years where you wouldn't expect to see more than a dropout of, of 30, at the most 40%, but really about 30%. They have 70, 67% dropout at the end of two years. That's not good. Um, 
that's actually a 60% because it's uh, only 41% uh, uh, stopped. So anyway, but the bottom line is the numbers aren't really encouraging at all. Uh, ULAR came out with guidelines for the management of uh, uh, juvenile localized scleroderma, patients with morphia or linear scleroderma. Uh, we had a number of guidelines out this week, Brazilian guidelines for myopathies, the uh, Swedish guidelines for um, giant cell arthritis, you can look at those. I chose just to highlight the juvenile localized scleroderma, uh, where they say that when these patients are identified, they need to be referred to a pediatric rheumatologist, um, that there's a more liberal recommendation regarding use of imaging, either ultrasound of lesions and or MRI of the musculoskeletal system. Or, and then if you have lesions of the head and face, especially the the coupe de sabre um, lesion that you need to do MRIs of the brain, but if it involves other parts of the face, you know, ENT and ophthalmological uh, recommendations and dental recommendations are also recommended. The mainstay of therapy is the early use of steroids if they're in the early inflammatory phase, but then everybody should be put on methotrexate. At the same time, they're put on steroids or put on methotrexate. And if not methotrexate, it looks like the second preferred drug there is mycophenolate, where they're seeing good outcomes with regard to the skin lesions over time. Lastly, tramadol uh, was in the news this week. A JAMA report showing that tramadol use may be associated with increased mortality. Uh, and this is in osteoarthritis patients and 88,000, 89,000 patients with osteoarthritis were either given uh, initial first-time use of tramadol, and they compared that to several different non-steroidals, um, about 40,000, and even a cohort with codeine. They showed that compared to non-steroidal use, tramadol use was associated with a uh, hazard ratio of 1.71 to 2.04 increased risk of mortality. Now, is that real? Is, that, is this confounded by indication? Turns out when you compare tramadol to codeine users, there was no difference in the overall mortality rates, but then is that higher too? I think this is sort of a, a, a big question mark. It needs to be repeated and studied in a different manner, but uh, it's worrisome. And I think that maybe the take-home message here isn't that tramadol causes death, but that patients with osteoarthritis that require narcotic therapies or more aggressive therapies are in a different class as far as risk uh, and, and ultimate outcomes. Um, and, you know, there probably needs to be a better algorithm for managing such patients, one that we can all agree on. That's it for this week. Go to the website to look at these links and more. Uh, be sure to check out roomnow.live. Our big meeting is next week. You can register online and view it free from home, or you can come to Fort Worth and join in the fun. We'll see you next week.